your Bibles or your phone or tablet, however you can access the Word of God. If you're new here at Grace, we're going to put a lot of these scriptures that you have on the screen, but we always encourage you to bring your Bible to church or at least bring up something where you can access the Word of God and follow along with us. I want to start a series today called Overcoming Discouragement. I want to talk to you about the power of hope, all right? It's what I call a mini-series, all right? We're going to do a mini-series. And basically what that means is this is the only one I got. I don't know how God is going to lead us. And so if it goes two weeks, I can call it a mini-series. If it goes five weeks, I can blame God and just say God changed everything, all right? So, so but I think it's only going to go a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about overcoming discouragement. There are many people just dealing with discouragement. If you look around, see what's happening in our world, you see that in the political realm, as far as the economy, in so many relationships, you see just people bombarded with discouragement. But I want you to know this, A, it's nothing new, right? And B, it doesn't mean that you are less than or you are not living right, acting right. Discouragement comes to everybody, all right? And I want to talk to you about it from a biblical standpoint, and I want to talk to you about hope. Now, let me just tell you this. I am a church kid. I've been in church all my life. I, I don't know anything but church. I don't remember my life before church. I used to dangle my feet on pews, and I grew up with hymn books. I grew up with flannel graphs. I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up where we went to church all the time. I said all the time. I mean all the time. Camp meetings, revival services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, what no kids ministry. You just had to sit there and read the bulletin a hundred times. I mean, that's just what we did. That's just what I grew up in. And I grew up listening to a lot of messages on faith. A lot of messages on faith. And Lord knows we need messages on faith. Amen. We need to hear about faith. Why? Because the just live by faith. And so we need to hear messages on faith. But I can also tell you this, in all my years uh, of ministry and all my years of being in church, I haven't really heard that many messages on hope. But I can just tell you right now that there is value in hope. And when I talk to you about the power of hope and what hope is and what hope isn't, how do we access hope, what hope means to us, and how does hope help us overcome discouragement? And listen, if you're here and you're discouraged, if you're here and you're facing a situation and, man, you're looking at it and you don't see a positive outlook concerning that situation, I want you to know that, that that situation is subject to change. How you feel about that situation can change right now, okay? And we're going to talk about the power of hope, right? Because there was a, a man in the Bible, solid Christian, who was discouraged, and I want to read to you from Psalm 42, right? Psalm 42, and it says this, verse number one, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul, watch how many times the word soul is mentioned, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul, there it is again, thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude, or with a multitude that kept 
a pilgrim feast. Now watch verse number five. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. That's a great, great question that the writer of this particular psalm asks himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. Now, we don't use the word disquieted, right? Sometimes we'll use cast down. Sometimes we'll say that I'm a little cast down today. Not very often. It's kind of a rare situation. I've never heard anybody, anybody heard them say the word disquieted. I've never been in the lobby and say, hey, how are you doing today? And they say, pastor, I'm very disquieted. I've never had that happen. But it means exactly what it looks like it means. It's the opposite of quiet. It means that there's a rumbling inside of you. It actually means there's a noise. You're beginning to mumble. You're beginning to talk to yourself. Anybody in here ever talk to themselves? You're beginning to have conversations with yourself. You're beginning to hear something inside of you. You're talking right now. You're asking yourself questions. And so this person, this writer of this particular psalm was asking themselves questions and then they were answering themselves. Come on now. That's when you know things are bad. And this conversation was ongoing and, and all of a sudden it was kind of like, for those of you who are maybe a little bit older, you remember that Fred Flintstone would walk into the house, come on after a bad day and you'd see Fred Flintstone and he'd be like, <laughs> he's just kind of rumbling. You have to be a certain age. The rest of you Google it. But Fred Flintstone would just kind of, you know, and Wilma would know, oh, he had a bad day at work. And that's what this, a picture of what is happening. And so, the writer of this particular psalm is, is just kind of wrestling with himself saying, listen, I know things are bad. I know that, that, that you're not in a place where you want to be and not even in a place where you should be, but why are you so discouraged? After all, you have God. Come on now. So put your hope in God. See, there's something about hope. But I want to talk to you about it today because maybe your idea of hope is not what the Bible's definition of hope actually is. Now, when hope gets delayed, here's what the Bible says about hope because Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, hope that is delayed. Dreams and hopes, all these things that get delayed it makes the heart sick. The message paraphrase of this actually says this, unrelenting uh, disappointment. Disappointment that just doesn't relent. It's unrelenting. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. And it's like every time you turn around, there's another disappointment. There's another rejection. There's another thing that you were trying to do to do and it just didn't work out. Relationships just seem to come to an end and it just seems like all of these things that you were hoping for didn't come to pass. And it actually can make you physically sick, emotionally sick and spiritually sick, right? And I find that there's two sources 
of discouragement. The first one is outside discouragement. Here's what happens when outside discouragement comes. Outside discouragement is from a source, from a place that you can't control. It's circumstances that happen to you that you have no control over. It is a spouse doing what they do. It's your kids doing what they do. It's a boss. It's employees. It's our political world right now. The government acting like they, they act, and, and it's always been that way. And so, so we can't control it. We can't control it. They, they make their decisions, and, and, and people just do what they do, and it can be very discouraging to us. And so you're like, I wish that they wouldn't have done that. I wish that they wouldn't have acted that way. I wish that things could have turned out better. I wish that the promises they made, they actually kept. And you just kind of hope that things would have turned out differently. But because it didn't turn out differently, discouragement sets in. Discouragement sets in. But it could also be inside discouragement. And inside discouragement is from a place that you can control. It's from circumstances that you can control, but you're facing those circumstances, and even though you can't control them, it still is, you can, you can control them, it still does not turn out the way you want it to turn out. It's still not according to your desire. It's an addiction that you can't seem to break. It's a thing that you started that, that didn't turn out. You had complete control over the outcome, but because of, of missed opportunities, because of, of procrastination, because you didn't apply yourself in a way that you should have applied yourself, you didn't get the outcome that you were hoping for. And, and so discouragement is set in and it's inside this discouragement. It's like, hey, I, I've reached a certain age now where I should be at a certain place and I'm not there. I'm not there, and you're discouraged. You're discouraged, you're upset. And what's interesting about this particular psalm is we don't know the exact writer of it, but many people attribute this psalm to David. Now, it says at the very top, it says it's, it's actually meant to be a hymn to the chief musicians, the sons of Korah. We know who it was to be delivered to, right? But many people think that David wrote it. We don't know exactly who wrote it, but, but a lot of the timeline, a lot of the circumstances that are written about can be attributed to some of the circumstances that David found himself in. There were two particular instances in David's life. There were two significant moments, one where he was running from King Saul, who, who he used to serve, and Saul ended up turning on him and was trying to kill him, and David ended up on the run for his life nearly killed. And then there was another situation later in David's life when his own son, Absalom, would, would rebel against him and usurp the kingdom. And David once again found himself outside of the walls where he used to live and, and should be. And so here he is again on the run for his life. In fact, the Bible tells us, I want to read to you from Psalm 142. Here's David's psalm when he was actually in a cave. Listen to these words. It says this, verse 1, I cried out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look at my right hand, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. No one 
cares for my soul. Verse 7, it says this, bring my soul out of prison. Bring my soul out of prison. You're in a dangerous place if you would say, I don't have anybody that cares for my soul. David, in this particular psalm, he says, hey, I look to my right hand and I find that there's nobody there. I find refuge has escaped me. There is nobody caring for my soul. And many people think that it was David who wrote those words. Why are you so downcast? In fact, this psalm, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, can be connected because those same words, why are you so cast down, you find also in Psalm 43. You find it at the end of Psalm 42, and then you find it again at the end of Psalm 43. It was like over and over, the psalmist had to ask themselves the same question. Why are you discouraged? Why are you discouraged? It is a great question. Listen, if I was to ask you today, if you're facing discouragement, why are you discouraged? I know many people could say, well, pastor, how much time do you got? Because I could give you a list. I mean, look at what's happening in the world. Look at the economy. Listen, you know that I love coffee. And I drink coffee one way, with cream and sugar. I don't know how y'all crazy people drink it without it. But I went to buy creamer the other day. Have you priced this out? Cows have suddenly become an endangered species. I think pigs are near extinct because if you looked at the price of bacon. And so you look at all these things happening in the world and listen, you get discouraged. (laughs) Come on now. And things just have gone crazy and, 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 and in the political world, in relationships, everything just seems like, wow, this, this is not the way I had hoped it would be, right? But we take this word hope and we, we have turned hope into wishful thinking. Can I give you some things that that are just kind of myths about hope? Can I break some sacred cows? First of all, I want you to understand this. Hope is not, hope is not a desire, right? Positive thinking and this, this desire, this positive desire for the future. That's what hope is not. Hope is not that. Now, we use hope like that. We use it exactly like that. If you would ask most people on the street, hey, what, what, is, what is hope to you? That hope They would say, well, hope is that I wish or I desire that, that things would turn out well, that there'd be a positive outcome for something that's coming up. I just hope it, right? And a lot of times we, we've been so disappointed over circumstances that we've taken hope and we've absolutely brought it to the absolute bottom. Everybody knows that I love the, the Florida Gators. And if you were to say, hey, Pastor, you know, now they're not playing this week, and, and, but they do play football sometimes. Sometimes they play football and sometimes they just run around. I don't know what happens. But if you were to say, Pastor, do you think the Gators are going to win? I usually, I usually say something like, well, I hope. But I, I really, they have disappointed me so often that I have put my hope just way down below. You know what I mean? And you, we say things like, well, I'm just going to hold out hope. Well, let's just wait and see. Let's just, let's just hope and see, right? And we've taken this word hope and we've turned it into wishful thinking. Can I just, can I just set the argument today that that's not Bible hope? 
That's just Webster's definition. Bible hope is completely different. Because here's what Bible hope, here's the other myth I want to break to today. I want to let you know that hope does not contain or express any uncertainty. Did you hear me today? There is absolutely no expression or no in any way, uh, any thought process or, or expression that hope is is anything but certain. So if, if there's any uncertainty in your thoughts, if there's any uncertainty in your confession, if there's any uncertainty in your words, that's not hope. Hope does not express it, any kind of uncertainty. Can I just prove it to you in the word of God? Let me give you this example first. My sister is, is unable to eat anything that is processed flour, right? She's, she's gluten intolerant. So she can't have anything with gluten, nothing, not, not even the, the faintest, remotest little piece of gluten, none of it. And it was like that comedian said that I don't know what gluten is, but apparently it's delicious because have you tried anything without it? It's like <laughs> terrible, right? Gluten-free bread. It's like, oh, praise the Lord. So, so she can't have any of it. I mean, no white flour whatsoever anywhere, nothing made with it. And so she's very careful about what she eats. It's because that that ingredient in anything that she eats makes her sick, right? Well, I just want to offer this, that hope is an ingredient. And it's one of the ingredients that make up faith. Because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says what? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Therefore, we know that in faith there can't be doubt. Right? Faith, faith is, there's no doubt in faith. So if hope contains doubt, right, then faith would contain doubt. So that means that hope cannot express or contain in any way any doubt, any uncertainty. Yet most of the time when we speak about hope, we speak about it from a place of uncertainty. And what I want to do with this series is get you to a, a, an understanding that, that when you talk from, from a, a biblical standpoint about hope, we don't talk with uncertainty. We talk with faith and we talk with hope. And hope is certain. Did you hear me now? I said hope is certain. Can I go to the word of God and just show you, show you some scriptures? I want to read this to you from the Amplified Version. And you know that I love the Amplified Version. What it does is the Amplified Version takes some of the words and amplifies them or expands upon them. I want to read this to you. It'll be on your screen. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. Listen to this. In the same way God. Now, let me just tell you, the writer of Hebrews is talking about, in the previous verses, the promise to Abraham. Saying, hey, God promised Abraham a son and God delivered on that promise, right? And then he goes on to say, and then the same way, the same way that God delivered on the promise to Abraham. So in verse 17 is, in the same way God, in his desire to show to the heirs of that promise, that's you and I, the unchangeable nature of his purpose intervened and guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie. 
We who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul, it cannot slip and it cannot break under whatever pressure bears upon it. It is a safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells, where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Listen, it says this, this hope, and it defines it, this confident Assurance, it is an anchor for our soul. Hallelujah. That means that hope cannot contain doubt. Hope cannot contain uncertainty. We don't walk around thinking, well, I, I, I prayed and I hope that God answers the prayer. We don't, we, don't, we don't live our life thinking, I hope that God makes good on the promise. We put an anchor in the ground on this truth. It is impossible for God to lie. That's the anchor. That's what holds hope in place. It is the promise that if God says it, he'll deliver it. If God made a promise to us, he will make sure that promise comes to pass because he cannot lie. Woo, hallelujah. Come on now, is God gonna win? Every time. We could set the bar high with God. Do you hear me now? Now listen, when it comes to this world, when it comes to people, I understand, they will disappoint you. When it comes to God, he is incapable of failure. Amen? He cannot, cannot lie. So every promise he's made for your life, every promise, everything that he's spoken over you, listen, it is an anchor for our soul. We have hope today. And so let me ask you again, why are you so discouraged? Why are you downcast? Why are you mumbling? Why is there some kind of unsettledness in your spirit? Why are you thinking to yourself, you should be further along? Why are you letting outside circumstances discourage you? Put your hope in God. Hallelujah. Put your hope in God. Amen. You say, well, well, how do I do that? Well, let me just give you, give me a little, little teaser today. Romans chapter five, you're in Psalm 42. Turn over to Romans chapter five. And this is Paul talking to the Romans and he's talking about faith and he's talking about what faith does. Listen, I talked to you a minute ago about how important faith is. Actually, faith is the substance of hope, right? And faith and hope are very similar. They're not exact. And in this series, I wanna talk to you about the difference between faith and hope. But if you thought coming into this church building today, if you thought listening online that hope was just kind of wishful thinking, like, like it was just kind of, okay, I'm going to hope until faith shows up. That's not how it works, right? Here's how, here's how hope works. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1 says this, Therefore, being justified by what? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, will we also glory in tribulations, watch this, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance 
character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Did you see that? Watch verse five. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Did you hear me now? It says this, hope does not disappoint. Hope doesn't disappoint. And then it makes kind of a funny turn because he's talking about perseverance and he's talking about trials, and he's talking about earning, uh, uh, enduring, and he's talking about, hey, building your character. And then he says this, and you gotta have hope, right? Going through all that, here's what you need to hold on to. You hold tightly to hope because hope doesn't disappoint. And then it says, because the love of God, it takes this turn, because the love of God has been shed in our hearts through through Jesus Christ, through our Lord, through God. How is that possible? How is that something that could happen? Here's how it happens. You get hope, not because you've earned it, not because you've deserved it, not because it's something that you go, okay, well, now I've been coming to church for five straight weeks, and, or now, hey, listen, I've read my Bible for 10 straight days, or, hey, I've been really good, and, and I've broke some addictions, I've broke some chains off my life. Now I can hold on to hope. Here's why you hold on to hope, because God has given it to you because he loves you, and no other reason, Right? No other reason. You can hold on to hope today because the love of God has been shed in your hearts through the Holy Spirit. Amen? He loves you. He loves you. He just wants to be your friend. He just wants to have a relationship with you. Right? And so what he does is he gives you this anchor for your soul. Why are we discouraged? Why are we downcast? Why do we keep talking to ourselves? Why do we keep mumbling? Why does it look like everybody's winning and we're not winning and everybody's doing better and everybody's on vacation and everybody, you know, posts something on Facebook and get 200 likes and we post something and we get three? Come on, why is that happening? And we keep talking to ourselves and I wish I could have, I, I should have, and, and by now I, I, I should be at a different place. And we keep having this pity party about ourselves and what God is saying up there, he's like, hey, listen, stop trying to be super Christian. Just realize that I love you so much. I want to give you this. It's my gift to you. It's the promises of God. It's everything that's in his word today. And you know this, it is an anchor for your soul. Hold on to hope. It is the confident assurance that what he says is going to come to pass. Somebody say amen. It's hope today. Amen. So when somebody asks you, how you doing? Do you believe that God's going to come through? Do you believe it's really going to work out? Do you believe that the kids are going to turn out all right? Do you believe that the marriage is going to survive? Do you believe that you're going to have enough money to retire the way you want to retire? Here's how it's going to happen. I don't just think it. I hope it. I'm holding on to hope. It's a different kind of hope. <laughs> it's not hope in, in football. It's not hope in sports. It's not hope in politicians. Thank God. It is hope that God doesn't lie. That every promise comes to pass. Amen. Listen, if you joined us on Facebook, I want to thank you for being a part of our service today. I want to thank you for being a part of our live stream. Mm -hmm.